Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. While worship was going on tonight, as a matter of fact, it was the second song talking about um, you'll come, you know, and um, let your glory fall as you respond to us and talk about waiting on the Lord. Um, Brooke, if you can bring up Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Many of you are familiar with this scripture. Let's all read it together. Ready? Read. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I like that run and not be weary part. I like the walk and not faint part. I like that mounting up with wings like eagles part. And renewing my strength part. But waiting. That's another story, isn't it? But this gives a promise for those who wait. Now, what's cool is what the word wait actually means. The word wait is an action word. It's not a sitting, twiddling your thumbs kind of word. It's not a just gritting your teeth and holding on kind of word. It actually means to gather together with expectation. It's the literal meaning of the word. To gather together with expectation. Why did you come here tonight? Huh? You came here tonight because there's something that you expect. Right? There's an expectation when you come to church. Well, what is that expectation? Well, I think for whatever that, however you would translate that, Ultimately, it is to encounter God. Really? Huh? Is this right? To encounter God, to have an encounter, to be touched by God, to worship Him together with His people with an expectation. You came here and expected to receive the Word because you understand what the Word does for your life. Right? Uh, One of the promises I quote here all the time, the Word is life to those who find it and health to all of their flesh. Right? It's living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So there's an expectation when we gather. So tonight, think about this. You have come and you are waiting on the Lord. And the very fact that you're doing that, here's what you're going to get out of this deal. You're going to get your strength renewed. You're going to mount up with wings like eagles. You're going to run and not grow weary. You're going to walk and not faint. Oh, gather together with an expectation. Can you expect this tonight? Yeah. Reach up and receive it because this is your promise. Right? This is your promise. All the promises of God are these sweet invitations to us. Sweet invitations. And he says, if you'll believe this, if you'll receive this in your life, you'll get exactly 
what it says because God is a promise-keeping God. Amen. Amen. So we gather together with expectation. I love that. Every time you come to church, think about that. Where are you going? I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to wait on the Lord. And because that's where I find strength. Amen. That's where I get an extra boost in my run and my walk. That's where I soar. Now, we're going to go to the book of Acts. I know normally on Wednesday nights we've been in the, the Gospels, but every once in a while we kind of suspend it for something else. All right? And so, so tonight I want to help you just remember the big picture in your life. Because you get in the daily grind of stuff, sometimes you forget why you're doing what you're doing. You know? It's easy to do. Like even Faith said when she was um, doing that extra money for the tithe, that Faith, tithe, after a while, it's just kind of, why am I, you kind of forget why you're doing it. It just becomes part of what you're doing. So we need to be reminded. Does my mouth sound dry? Hmm. Thank you, love. Um, we need to be reminded of, you know, the big picture kind of things like who we are who God is in our lives, what he's called us to do, and what our purpose is here in the earth as the church of the living God. Um, in Acts chapter 18, uh, we'll begin to read. Well, let me just kind of give you a, a little bit of a sequence of events that has taken place just prior to Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 16, Paul is on a journey, and he has picked up this young man by the name of Timothy and um, met him and and had him go with him because he was going to go to the Asia area and, and minister the gospel where they had already planted some churches. And, and so he wanted to go and check on those churches again. And every city that he came to, the scripture would forbid him to be there. He would just feel this, no, this isn't it. I, I, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll try over here. Well, after a while, after going to city after city and, and hearing the Holy Spirit say, no, not here, no, not here. You know, that can wear you out after a while. Like, okay, well, Lord, Where? Come on, you ever, you ever felt like that? You've been on that journey and, no, not here. No, not here. No, not here. Okay, where, Lord? I know you've called me. I know, I know that you've got a plan for my life, but where's the yes? Where is, where is this place I need to be? Well, they finally end up in this uh, coastal city called Troas, as we would all know as Troy. Hector! Y'all remember the movie? <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, I also wanted to see if you were awake. Uh, Troy. And, and a vision appears to Paul. You remember this? A vision appears to Paul in the night. It says, a man from Macedonia saying, come over and help us. Well, Macedonia is west of there. And so they had to cross this gulf to get there. Well, because of that, because of that vision and because of that call from God, they went over. They, I mean, they set a straight course. Luke said, and when Paul saw the vision, immediately we sought to go. And we all concluded the Lord had called us to go. So they went and they get there to um, Macedonia and to Philippi, which is one of the innermost cities where the, uh, the, the book of Philippians was written to. And, and Paul gets thrown in jail. Paul gets thrown in jail, gets beaten and thrown in jail. And, I mean, they find themselves in some trouble here. And then in Acts chapter 17, another thing happens. Uh, it, it seems like he just keeps finding trouble. He preached in this place called Berea. Thank you, my friend. Um, and... Uh, 
these Jews from this other region called Thessalonica, who the book of Thessalonians was written to, they heard about him going in there, and they went down there to Berea and stirred up this crowd. So they sent Paul by boat out of there for his own safety, and he ends up at Athens, a place called Athens. He's without Silas and Timothy now. Now he's by himself. Just He had to run for his life, and he took up this opportunity to preach. Remember in Acts chapter 17, it says, as he walked around, he saw all of these idols that they had and, and uh, was observing all their statues and all those things and those, those objects of worship that people had created. And then he comes across this inscription that says, to the unknown God. And then Paul saw that as his opportunity to preach the gospel. So he goes to a place called Mars Hill where all these philosophers met and, and they, they were ready to hear something new because that's how their culture was. They always wanted to hear something new, some new thing. And so Paul said, as I walked through your city, I observed all of your objects of worship and I saw the inscription to the unknown God and it's him that I'm here to reveal to you. Amen. And he said, and, and uh, later on in Acts 17, the scripture that many of you know or Paul said, in him we live and move and have our being. And so after a while, and they're listening to him, but then he starts getting on the subject of Jesus and then talks about him being raised from the dead. And as soon as he spoke of Jesus rising from the dead, they all started mocking him. So this guy's a nut. So he's continually at this point facing abuse, ridicule, hardships. And now we come to 18. Let's look at verse 1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome, and he came to them. So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked for by occupation. They were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. Remember Paul's M.O. in, in his missionary travels was whatever city he came to, he always went to his Jewish brethren first. He went to the synagogue first because they were his heart. But knowing ultimately that Jesus had called him to the Gentiles. And when Paul presents um, um, his statement about the gospel in Romans 1 17, uh, 16, I'm sorry, it says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So he lived by this. He didn't just proclaim. Paul lived by this. He went to the Jews first. But most of the time, that caused a lot of trouble for him. And uh, verse 5, when Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean from now on. I will go to the Gentiles. And he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice. I like that name. Just us. One who worshiped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, how about that name? Crispus. The ruler of the synagogue, so this is somebody, isn't it? Believed on the Lord with all of his household, and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent. Why is he telling him to be af- not to be afraid? Probably because he's afraid. (laughs) You reckon? Because so far, don't you know that Paul's kind of tiptoeing into the cities now, right? You would think, because every time he comes into a city, he faces adversity. He faces beatings. He faces imprisonment. He faces ridicule, right? So the Lord says, don't be afraid. 
Look at this. Speak and do not keep silent. For I am with you and no one will attack you to hurt you. Ooh, that's some good news. Finally, for I have many people in this city. Watch this. And he continued there a year and six months. Paul hadn't spent anywhere that long. But he gets there and the Lord says, nobody's going to hurt you. He says, I think I'll chill out here for a while. Take about a year and a half vacation from persecution. Right? You're in six months teaching the word of God among them. And when Paul speaks to the Corinthians, remember the Lord said, do not be afraid, Paul. Uh, bring this up if you would, Brooke. I'm sorry I didn't give you one of these scriptures tonight. Don't you love Brooke Robertson, everybody? First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3. Paul tells the Corinthian church just kind of how he showed up to town. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. Okay? So I want us to focus on verse 10. Here's where we see the God factor in our distress, in our discouragement, in our weaknesses. Um, he offers this glorious second wind. You know what a second wind is? How many of you have ever experienced that second wind? Any runners in here? See, for years, I, I ran for many, many years. I used to run outside several miles a day. But, and I'd always heard about this runner's high. I never found it. That's exactly right. You took the word right out of my mouth. It's because I didn't run long enough. You got to run further? Well, I was somewhere between that five and six mile mark. So um, I started bumping it up. And something happened around six miles that this energy kicks in. And I, can, I, I totally, for the first time in my life, understood why runners are junkies on running. Because it was euphoric. I mean, it was extraordinary. And then when that kicks in, you feel like you can run the rest of the day. Now, I'm not saying I experienced it a bunch, maybe twice. But <laughs> you got to get to the sixth mile before that happens, you know. Takes a while. Huh? But there's this new birth, this is fresh wind that the Lord, this strength, as we talked about tonight, has available to you for your stride to strengthen again. Huh? And you seem like you've just been beating your wings against that gravitational pull, and all of a sudden an undergirding wind begins to lift you up where you can just spread your wings and glide on the wind's resources. Look at this. For I am with you. No one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. I want you to see something here, that God promises three specific things to Paul, and I believe that these three things are also to you tonight. First of all, his presence. I am with you. I want you to say that tonight. God is with me. Say it again. God is with you. I want to read Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. In the Amplified, Brooke, the classic version. Now there are two, there are two versions now. There's a 2015, there's the classic, so you've got to make sure you say which one. This is so beautifully written in uh, the Amplified version. Act, I mean, uh, Hebrews. Yes, let your character or moral disposition be free from love of money, 
including greed, avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. For he, God, himself has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. Now watch this. I will not, I will not, verse 6, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down, Relax my hold on you, assuredly not. Wow. I will not, I will not, I will not. Are we getting the message tonight? Hmm? God is with you. God is with you. He will never leave you. His presence and his presence, my family, is found in his promise. That's why you must see the word of God as more than, than just an inspirational book. And it is inspirational, isn't it? Or more than just a book that's difficult to understand. And sometimes it's difficult to understand. But it's alive. And it's teeming with the presence of the living God. When you look upon it, I've told you this before, but I found my Bible reading to be much richer if I see it as I'm going to meet with God. And see it as a face-to-face meeting with Him. Because in the beginning, what? Was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. Listen to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. 2 Peter 1, 2 through 4. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You see how that's such a thorough and complete phrase there, isn't it? His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. See, the more you know him, the more you know what you've been given. Right? Next, verse 4. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these, through these what? Through these what? Promises, you may be partakers of the divine nature. You see, that's what I'm talking about. His presence is his promise. His promise is his presence. As you receive that promise, you are a partaker of his nature. You partake of all that is God. Godliness, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. What Peter is teaching us here about these promises, that the reason that we've got to go after these things, the reason we need to get them in our mouth, in our heart, in our thinking, Hmm? we got to get these promises because the promises of God are what keep you from the desire for the wrong things. It escapes you. See that? You escape from the corruption that is in the world through lust. Lust in itself isn't a bad thing. It's just a craving or a desire. But if you don't connect to the things that God has given you, and if you don't go after these things, then everything else will corrupt Everything, the, the things that are in this flesh, because the flesh feels all kinds of things, right? Right? Have, how many of you found that the flesh, though, doesn't end well? That desire of the flesh never quite ends well. It's, you know, it sounds good, it feels good, but then, gosh, the guilt, the shame the, oh, that comes after it. Right? It just leaves you wanting. But these promises are here to bring us into the divine nature. That is to experience life as God has designed us to live it. 
So you look like God through his promises. You act like, you talk like, and you experience God through these exceedingly great and precious promises. And you know what? That what you hang out with, you become like. It's very true. That's why I like listening, watching old married couples interact with each other. And they've been together longer than dirt, you know? And it seems like the longer they're together, the more they start kind of looking alike. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And they not only look like each other, but they many times can complete each other's sentences. My, I used to love watching my grandparents, my, my dad's parents, uh, Grandpa and Grandma Holler, because he would have a story to tell. And Grandma would always go to the end of it and tell the end before he could even finish the story. He gets so mad. And even though I'm watching this happen, there's something so comforting to me as a kid to watch that happen. To watch her complete his sentences. Because that's a sign that they know each other. They've been together a long time. See, the longer you believe, the longer you confess these promises that God has spoken to you. God is with me. His presence is with me. The more your life will be transformed mm, into the image of that very promise. Not only will it be in your mouth, but it will be in your way of life. Hebrews 6.12 says that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. This is how you can continue to know that God is with you because his word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. The word of faith. Verse 10, he says, For I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you. We see the wonderful promise of his presence. We also see the promise of his protection. You know, God is with you. You're here tonight, and I have a feeling that many of you are here tonight and maybe shouldn't be here tonight. Because, but somehow God intervened. God protected you. God kept you from that calamity. Kept you from that early death. Huh? He watched over you. How many times does he do it every day? We don't even see it probably most of the time. But he's been there with you. And he's here to protect you. He loves to protect you. Loves to watch over you. It is his job. Right? He's your heavenly father. Jesus said, what are you worried about? Why are you worried about all these things? Your heavenly father knows that you have need of those things. What is, there, what, what is worrying? What is that going to add to your life? Right? You've got enough trouble today, and there's enough trouble tomorrow. Just think about today and just understand that the Father sees the every sparrow fall. If he'll watch the sparrows, my family is watching you. And he loves you. And he's here to protect you. And let me just say this. You need to declare his protection over your life. You declare his protection over your family, over children, your spouse, huh? your loved ones. Every day, call their name out before the Lord. And thank him for it. Just thank him for his protection. Thank him that he's been with them. He's with you. Um, through various dangerous circumstances that maybe should have taken you out, God was there. And your being here today is testimony of his unfailing protection. Uh, and this is one of the things that he brings as our overseer is protection. Psalm 91, let's read that for just a moment. I love Psalm chapter 91. Listen to this beautiful promise. We'll just start reading verse 1, Brooke. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High 
shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You can read it with me. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him I will trust. Notice how what David said here. He said, I will say it. Now, He is your refuge, but David said, I will say it. I'm going to declare that over my life. He is my refuge. He is my fortress. My God in Him. I will say of the Lord. Verse 3. Surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Pestilence. Let me give you the word for pestilence. It means a deadly or virulent epidemic disease. He'll deliver you from that. Bubonic plague. Something that is considered harmful or destructive or evil. This is what he's delivered you from. Next. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Wow. I am with you. No one will attack you to hurt. Why don't we just take a moment and thank him for his protection? You know, just right now, just, just voice your family members right now to him right now. Just voice and say, thank you for your protection. Thank you, Lord, for your protection over Heather Joe, over Madeline, Jonathan, Boston. Laurel, Rose, and Dylan over this beautiful One Cause Church family. Thank you, Lord, that you give your angels charge over them to keep them in all of their ways. Thank you, Lord. You know, I'm grateful about the grace of God in that phrase that he will give his angels charge over to keep you in all of your ways. (laughs) Notice it didn't say he'll keep you in all of his ways. I mean, that would be a given, right? But he says, his angels will be given charge over you in all your ways, even in your knucklehead ways. Huh? Amen. I'm grateful for that tonight. I don't recommend staying in only your way, but I'm grateful for his grace that's been there. I am with you. No one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. Lastly, God offers you possibility. Now, and I'm saying possibility because you have to understand what Paul was coming into. <laughs> Look, 1 Corinthians 6. I'm almost through, but you got to see when Paul gets to Corinth, this is the culture he comes into. We're going to see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Okay, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, nor fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, verse 10, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11, as such were some of you. This is the culture he came into, right? Just wild, unrestrained, right? But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. This is the situation Paul came. This wasn't a churchy village he came into. This wasn't a. This place was wild, right? Unruly, rebellious. So he has this option when Paul says, when God says, "I got a lot of people in this city," right? And Paul could have looked around and just at the amount of sin and degradation and been very discouraged, right? And think these people are unworthy of the grace of God. 
There's too many of them. I'm only one man. What difference can I make? But he heard God say, I have many people in this city. See, God tells you what's possible. He says things like that. That's why you need faith. So that you can know the possibility. What did Jesus say? If you can believe, all things are possible. Wow. And sometimes things get worse before they get better. <laughs> Keep believing. Keep seeing that possibility. Because this is what God is giving you. Don't see any change? Keep believing. When you've done all you can do, keep believing. Faith keeps you in that continual grasp of possibility. God is there in your struggle. God's presence is with you. His protection is on you. And His possibility is ever in you. Amen. Remember this big picture tonight so that you don't get bogged down in your stuff. Amen. He's with you. His presence is always with you. His protection is on you. And anything's possible. Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time with your people tonight. Thank you for your incredible word that builds us up. That word of grace that not only builds us up, but it gives us an inheritance. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. And I pray tonight as we have come to the reading of the will, the will of God, to see what our inheritance is being brought into the family of God. And if you're a Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That is, we are heirs of everything that you've promised. Your promises are yes and amen. Thank you, Father. Lord, there's a promise for every situation, every difficulty, every struggle in our life. You have a promise to help us come out of that, to overcome that. You have a promise of healing for those who need that. You have a promise of provision for those who need that. You have a promise of protection for those who need that. You have a promise for help. You have a promise of wisdom. You have a promise of joy. You have a promise of strength. You have a promise of grace. You have a promise of mercy. You have a promise after promise after promise after promise. So help us, Lord, to continue to see the big picture that we're already on the winning side and God is on our side. Thank you, Father. I pray tonight. You know, just for a moment, I, I, if we could all just bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. I want to, I just really felt this come up in my spirit. There's some of you here tonight that are really fighting discouragement. I mean, it's been something that has been dragging you down. It's been hovering over in you like this dark cloud. And, you, and you, you know, you, you kind of have these moments where you can kind of come out of it, but it just, keeps, it just keeps coming. It keeps dragging you down. And, and the Lord says tonight, that is leaving. That discouragement is leaving your life tonight. And if that's you, I want you to just lift your hand where you are and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, my goodness. Lord, were you ever right? Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Let me say to you tonight what Jesus would say. Take courage. 
take courage, take heart. I'm with you. I am with you. I am with you tonight. I did not create you to abandon you. I did not call you to give up on you. I do not love you and then fail you. I am your reward. I am your strength. I am your hope. So hear the word of the Lord tonight. Be renewed in hope again tonight. And that means you need to take some action. And that action is praise. Discouragement doesn't have a chance for someone who will praise him in the midst of their discouragement. Hmm? Because discouragement wants you quiet. It gets you quiet. It just gets you focusing on self and how tough it is and how dark it is and how... No, no, no. That's why you need to open your mouth and say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. I will not be discouraged. I will rejoice and I will be glad because this is the day that the Lord has made. Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You created the sun, the moon, the stars. You created me. I am fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. How precious are your thoughts to me, oh God. How great is the sum of them. I can't even number them even if I tried to. So I bless you and I praise the God who is my victory and who offers me songs of deliverance in the deepest, darkest night. Sing his praise. Dance his dance. Give him the glory. And I'm telling you, the sooner you do that, the quicker those clouds go away. You know, we just need to be, pro all of us tonight, why don't we just stand for just a moment? Come on, let's get proactive right now in our praise. Let him hear your voice tonight. Thank him, bless him. Come on, push through that thing. It's not that hard, it really isn't. I mean, you've got every advantage in him. Don't let this thing beat you down. Don't let it grind you down. Amen. You are the light of the world. That is love. That covers a multitude of sins. His love will break through tonight in Jesus' name. Yeah, clarity tonight. Clarity tonight. I come against that confusion in the name of Jesus. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace in the name of Jesus. So we declare peace. We will have peace tonight in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, yeah, those lies, those accusations. No, we stop those in the name of Jesus. We stop that right now. The devil is a liar, all right? Don't give him one more moment of your attention tonight. The moment he starts lying to you, accusing you, of things that Jesus has already dealt with, paid for, huh? You need to lift up your hands and say, thank you, Lord. You give me a future and a hope. And there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And I am in Christ, so therefore there's no condemnation. And I will not bear the guilt and the shame that comes with condemnation because Jesus not only bore my sin, but he also bore my guilt and my shame. Why would I carry what he already carried? Yeah. 
Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, right now. Thank you for your help. He's a very present help in time of need. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hey, the same old, same old. The same old, same old got you down. The same old, same old. Listen, listen. It's a new, a new day. It's a dawning coming for you today. Amen. Amen. There's a dawning of a new thing right now. Believe it. Receive it tonight. But I've done that. We'll do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again because he's faithful. Amen. Ooh, thank, aren't you glad that the Lord meets you where you are, but he don't leave you there. He brings you up. He brings you up. He picks you up. Amen. So when you go here from here tonight, go on the joy of the Lord. And let me just say this. The devil, he's going to test this tonight. Maybe it's as soon as you get out in that parking lot. He's going to test it. Was that all just hype or you want some emotion? Now, now, now you're back to the real world. Hmm? Okay, you may be in the real world, but you have a real God who's going with you when you go out of here tonight. The same spirit that raised him from the dead. If it can raise him from the dead and it's living in you, boy, it can raise you out of your situation. Amen? Amen. But we can't be quiet. We cannot be silent. We will not go quietly into the night. We will not go out without a fight. Y'all remember the movie, Independence Day? That was a great movie. Great speech from the president. We will not go quietly into the night. No, we will declare the goodness of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I had a feeling tonight as I was, as I was getting ready for this message, I just felt like the Lord was just going to speak to you in a real personal way. I was kind of wondering when he was going to do it, and he finally did. Amen. Toward the end of the service. But I'm telling you, he loves you so much. He loves you so much. I'm happy. Thank you, Father. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I love you all very much. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.